0: I'm just feeling so weird today, and I'm sorry about that.
1: It's okay. We're both having a weird day. Whose song is this, Todd Donald? <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: going to go with that. <laughs> Welcome
2: back. You're listening to another episode of The Todd Donald Show, a weekly podcast where artists and performers go to chat about nothing. Hosted by Canadian singer-songwriter Todd Donald. Todd <laughs> Donald.
0: So after many years, I've long let go of the fine art of properly introducing a guest at the start. It's why I'm the best at this, or the worst. My guest on this episode, episode freaking 50 of the Todd Donald Show, is certainly deserving of a 50th episode-style introduction. I met her at Sean Stockholm's Kitchen Party Open Mic Series, which was held at the U of W Grad House, and this is sometime in January or February of 2007. We bonded over our close-in-proximity 1984 birthdays, watching Star Trek, playing music. I might have been a little smitten. Over the years, I've gotten to see her belly expand and collapse at one point, leaving a super-talented future visual artist named Elsie Jennison into existence, whose work currently dons the center stage of my laptop top, which you can see on the at Todd Donald Show Instagram. Tessa was like a sister to me for a few years, making soup and sandwiches and... Listening to me bitch about my 20s dating life jammed with me a lot, both on stage and at their house. We had fondue. She would always jump on stage to sing my songs with me at our live shows. Over the years, too, we've gone in and out of touch for longer than proud of periods of time, which we reference and would catch up over jogging. All of which is to say, bringing it back to the like a sister reference, this friend has been and always will be like family in that sense to me. And I'm sure we'll go long stretches of years without talking again, but it seems that when we do catch up and chat, it is like home. And you'll find that here as we try to have a conversation the way we would have it, but also directing it towards you listening. Tessa is a singer-songwriter, a mother, a recent camper van thing owner, and a renovator. You can find her in such amazing projects as the show Kitchener Sink on Bell Fiber Vibe and say whatnot. Went for city council at one point and coming into the now, she's a director for Water the Region Crossing of I want to say since the beginning. Water the Region Crossing being, of course, and I'm not reading this off their website, a not-for-profit endurance event company which coordinates events wherein citizens challenge themselves in extraordinary circumstances to raise awareness about the most pressing issues facing our community. This is how I talk. Next year, you'll find her on tour with Madonna on Etsy selling edible picnic tables. I think she's actually going to build a mountain, I heard. So please enjoy a chat with and some songs, including a live off the floor acoustic performance by my guest, Tessa. In quite a few episodes, I have not yet in a while at least had a guest on that I had not ever had on the show but have meant to for a very long time Mm
1: -hmm. that's my fault
0: (laughs) why why is it fault
1: because i am a relentless uh self-inflicting shame person oh (laughs) i carry that responsibility of not going on your show sooner
0: have i made you feel oh like over the years Not 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 even just in joking about it today no
1: not remotely okay i carry that burden myself
0: yeah (laughs) well i making plans with people in general is just such a weird thing nowadays i know and following through and stuff like that
1: i'm really bad at all those things that you just said
0: what if we didn't have smart technology what if you were only able to make a plan with someone in person or on the telephone that Mm -hmm. was wired to the house
1: uh like the early 90s
0: yeah Would you have made plans with people or would you have just felt so obligated to show up because that's what humanity was like?
1: Well, I mean, at that point in my life, I was like in elementary school. So the whole like social shaming for not being as available was not as much of a thing. I mean, kind of like the stuff we were invited to was like birthday parties and you just wanted to go to those because it was the only social interactions really. Uh, At least for me, I didn't go to my home school, so I wasn't part of like, you know, the neighborhood Right group of kids that terrorized around on their bicycles right so (laughs)
0: like those stereotypical like et 80s (laughs) like et or strangers yeah goonies yeah
1: Yeah, exactly so that wasn't as much part of my childhood i mean i i loved the goonies i watched it mostly just because it made me feel like i was part of a social group right and the pirates that was cool
0: that makes kind of sense Mm mm-hmm can I go a different route than I was going to in one of our other takes? Yes, and uh, please do. <laughs> I want to peek into that category, but then come back to it later on. Mm-hmm. as a tease or to talking about your adventure racy, not racy adventure racing-y, race-y? yeah,
3: adventure
0: y. Yep. <laughs> athleticism and enthusiasm towards that. Was there anything nurturing that early on? Or was it just something that came to you at the point of life where you started becoming active in that?
1: Well, I was, I was not a super active child. Um, and I was not actually a very socially integrated child, uh, really, either. I mean, part of it was not going to my home school, so I didn't really see my classmates outside of the classroom. Um, I mean, I did extracurriculars and stuff like pretty much every kid does. I was uh, reasonably portly and not the most athletic child. And I was really drawn to adventure in literature and in film. So, yeah, definitely the Goonies, like these ideas of these kids going on these marvelous, spectacular adventures where there aren't parents around and they're just figuring it out as they go and having to rely on themselves. That was that was really cool. And like the small group dynamics of those, you know, those groups of kids was always really interesting to me. I mean, they were very stereotypical within those films in terms of the different character roles, but I thought that was really fascinating. But then on the other hand, if you look at um, some of the great Canadian literature that's available on the same kind of subject, like Farley Mowat books, he's my favorite author hands down, um, you know, about essentially children or, or, you know, young sort of teenagers that find themselves in these seemingly impossible survival situations and somehow find their way through it. You know, I loved reading those stories and I, you know, I longed for that kind of remote, challenging wilderness adventure thing, which I never thought I would actually have available to me in my life. Right. Uh, you know, being an urban, raised, not super active child. I didn't have a lot of, <laughs> you right. know, opportunity to kind of find myself in those situations. So. Right. Yeah.
0: If we're, <laughs> if we're using 80s movies as a you were more like, bastion in never ending story part one
1: um wow that's i maybe i, w- I was yeah kind of maybe in kind the glibest
0: of ways not not thinking about it too deeply mm-hmm. But then, if we're speaking to an audience of people that know you <laughs> primarily, and not the legion of fans, yeah, I'll stop being modest. <laughs> and <of> fans. <laughs> I'm I'm used to saying the four people that listen, but yeah, for those listening that aren't my loyal listeners, yes, um, they can just make the reference uh, of Bastion from the Neverending Story. Yeah, he didn't have a group of friends, and he escaped into the adventures in books. That's the start of the movie anyway.
1: Kind of, yes. It turns
0: out he was the star of the book all along.
1: He was, (laughs) yes. Have you read the book, The NeverEnding Story? Disappointingly, it ends, first of all.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is some crazy shit that we're doing right now in the podcast I know, I know. Making that open.
1: I know, it's ridiculous. Um, I, I did have some very close friends when I was younger. Uh, I had the good fortune of spending most of my summers in King Carden. You know, my very closest friend, who is still my very closest friend today, uh, she and I would have some some pretty fun adventures in the summertime. But, like, during the school year, it was I was not as socially uh, engaged. Certainly not with an adventure opportunity group of friends. Right. So, yeah, maybe a bit like Bastion. He had a pretty pretty sad backstory that kid you know my backstory wasn't really as well Plus, traumatic
0: (laughs) we're just talking about like two hours in his life that's true he was
1: reading like one book so
0: who knows maybe maybe he had like a group of friends and that walked along train tracks yes the stand
1: by me kids yeah yeah it was an essential part of our childhood and influence yeah you know since we're, our birthdays are so close together, we watched all the same shows and movies, probably.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We're both only children. Factor. I'm not an only
1: child. I have a brother. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I can rub that in my face. I got a brother, and he's yeah. cool.
0: And, and maybe one of the other takes we established that our first connections made like f- f- 12, 12, 13, 13 years yeah. ago. Jinx, were like Star Trek music and being close in birthdays. Yes. In 1984, born. Surprisingly, we're both older than the Duffer brothers. Yeah. It's kind of neat. I guess. Why is that neat? The show. I like the show. Fine. I like the show too. It's um,
1: neat. It's like the Goonies, but with uh, different stuff in it. Yeah.
0: Sean Aston.
1: He is in that. Yeah, oh, my that's God. Fair. That's right. Yes. I love it. I forget
0: who he plays. He, he was like plays a,
1: uh, the Bob, is it? He's yeah. The Bob. boyfriend. Winona Ryder's boyfriend. Yeah. I started watching the first season again a while ago.
0: The first season bit. is a lot more deeper like when you watch it again doing things that probably didn't involve money as much as it did strong concepts and the character development
1: is excellent yeah
0: and then the the second two are increasingly more fun i i find myself throwing my fist in the air and like what a great moment of fun
1: (laughs) (laughs) you also have to consider though that the character's in the film in the first season they're being like mind fucked by what's happening to yeah them. and now into season three they're like this is old hat you know yeah i am used to all of this
0: exactly you know
1: craziness <laughs> i'm just a badass for being able to deal with it you know so it, it is a i think it it does change the feel of the show it's kind of like alien versus aliens right you know,
0: i watched the first season again and i miss that part of the show
1: I had a discussion about Popple's the other day with my sister-in-law. Nobody else in the room even knew what we were talking about. They're like, "What are Popple's? Do you remember Popple's?" No. It was more of a girl toy. They oh, we're, we're talking about a toy, not a, a TV toy. show. Well, there was a TV show spin-off of Popple's the toys as well, and I have a towel. Yeah, it was a whole merchandise line. Right. They were the little bear things with heart ears and a little heart nose and hearts on their paws. That they had like a butt flap that would fold itself in, so they were like a ball with a head.
0: So you read a lot as a child. Yes. <laughs> I thought I'd play, see, see, you're laughing at that, right?
1: Yeah, and you ruined it.
0: Yeah.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the first song on this episode comes from a singer-songwriter and guest on my podcast in 2009, Glenna Garamone. She was passing through from Victoria, BC, where she resides and has been part of several different music projects, one of which involved working with Annie DeFranco. Not bad, not bad. Her debut album, Sea Sky Star Song, was this amazing CD she was peddling back when, and I wish it was better known then and now. So she did three amazing live performances from that, one of which is this song, and here's the studio track, Maple Syrup, by Glenna Garamone on The Todd Donald Show.
5: Was like a temp- like pure maple syrup. But the dosage is never in
0: looking at someone that i know as a musician right we have we have so many things that we could talk about i do want to talk about your music a bit you are going to perform but you also have some stuff that you've worked on you you've had several different projects in music alone yeah can i name the ones that i can remember off the top of my head right now you sure fill in the blanks sure your singer song writing music project was called that you were in called red balloon that
1: let's just forget that one <laughs> nobody look for that album please
0: I can listen to it whenever I want. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, the key point in this conversation being that you're you're singing on that and sure. can be heard.
1: As I cringe. But yes, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you there.
0: Yeah. No, just say, say, say all my great memories of us playing shows together. Uh, were
1: That's true. That was that era, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. But then the short films mm-hmm. was the, a reincarnation. Uh, no.
1: Ryan was brand new to the short films. So it was Russ and I and Ryan.
0: that's what I mean you and Russ were in Red Balloon yeah and in the short films
1: I was thinking outside of myself
0: This is a very cerebral interview as much as we're both remember, trying to avoid it.
1: I think you remember more about that era of my life in terms of the configurations and the happenings than I do at this point. Honestly,
0: if I were to just throw in Elsie was a baby and you made me grilled cheese sandwiches and tomato soup, that's pretty much all of it.
1: That is, those were moments for <laughs> I sure. Would,
0: I would come by and visit you almost on the daily to complain about my early attempts and embarrassing moments of trying to to meet girls and date mm-hmm. and you would make me tomato soup and grilled cheese and be like well I, i'm holding on to something that shits almost nonstop." stop <laughs> and your problems are yeah you're complaining your
1: province your problems at the time were completely valid <laughs> That's what friends are for. Yeah, to have grilled cheese and tomato soup and uh, pooping babies and girl talk.
0: <laughs> but outside of that, you were doing music and I was doing music, and then the short films mm-hmm. for a long time. Intermittently, it has to be put on hold because you have other things, including like like adventure racing. Uh, I don't. I want to get the name right. Water region crossing. Yep. Trek. Yep. I don't want to label it the wrong way, but politics yeah even. oh
1: yeah no i ran for city council that's politics for sure that that's legit politics yeah, that's definitely that's politics it's original, af right kids <laughs> you know what politics. i mean when i say af <laughs>
0: we're friends we're laughing i can forgive you for that yeah um
1: <laughs> it is politics af yeah
0: yeah but was it as the short films or was it just as people playing characters in the show that also made music kitchener uh, sink kitchener sink yep Spelt S-Y-N-C. Yep. I think I badgered them long enough unsuccessfully to <laughs> let me chat with them about... And after they hear this, they're going to be like, yeah, we dodge a bullet. We don't need to talk about the show itself. I just wanted to ask, what was the label of involvement musically... On that project,
1: so every piece of music that you hear in that show, both both in the original uh, three episodes that we created, kind of as a proof of concept, the, the group, the Kitchener Sync group, and a couple of years later when we did a six episode series that's now available on Bell Five, every piece of music was mostly created by Russell. I had, you know, maybe like a twenty to thirty percent role in some of the okay. uh, the writing, but he mostly uh, wrote and produced all nice. that stuff.
0: Involvement in projects is just as vital to the human experience. Oh, as it, creative yes, experience.
1: absolutely. And I think getting into film score work really changed my perspective on being a musician because when you are working on solo projects, for example, uh, as a singer songwriter, or, or even within a within a band framework there are limitations in terms of collaboration and, and creative stimulation within that because you're creating a music project or you're performing a music set um, and there's not necessarily a counterpoint to provide you know some kind of different source of inspiration. And when you're working with film, it's a whole different framework that you're working within because you have this visual component that you either need to complement or enhance and it has to be sometimes in, in dramatically different genres from what you're familiar with with working yeah. in as a singer-songwriter. And so I found that working in film, um, even though my role was uh, and has always been less involved than Russell because he handles all the production side of things, it still completely changed the way I approached music. And it changed my uh, enjoyment of being involved in it. It was being part of a project that was not only bigger than myself and had Different kinds of influences on my writing, um, but also it changed the audience. And I think one of the things that I struggled with personally when I was performing as a solo musician or performing with my band for all of those years that I did uh, was you know, you're often playing in bars where most people aren't really there to like have a music listening experience. They're talking, they're watching the TV, they're playing foosball in the corner, whatever it is, its is, you're part of a, a sort of a multi-distractional environment. Right. And when you have music in a film or in a TV show, not only is it seen by a broader audience, but it's seen by an audience who actually is paying attention to what's going on in front yeah. of them. And so I really have enjoyed working with film and the Waterloo Region Crossing project that you referenced there's the tracks that we do, there's an educational component, but then there's also a documentary film that's part of that, and the music in that film is going to be all Russell's music, Right. and I, uh, you know, I'm doing a tiny bit of writing for the music for that as well, but being immersed in that world has not only changed the way I do music, but it's opened up a whole other realm of connections as well. So, right on. you know, meeting the people who do other components of filmmaking uh, has been very enriching for my life
0: that's really cool Mm -hmm. can i ask regardless of context like you as a singer songwriter y'all know i don't like to do interviewee type questions but some interviewee type questions are just so good Mm -hmm. for instance when i was in my 20s i didn't just write songs about wanting to meet a girl however i was never triggered to write songs more than when i was dealing with my emotions sure you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the one category. Nothing uh, It was a
1: catalyst for writing inspiration.
0: Yeah, and I, I think inspiration is such uh,
1: I think I think there's two different categories to that because I definitely am more motivated to write when I am going through a tumultuous period in my life or when people around me that I care about are going through some kind of tumultuous period in, in their lives um, because it helps me to you know address that within myself or perhaps try to relate more to that person's experience yeah. and then work through it and express it that way. And often with my writing, it's reasonably... It's it's vague enough that a listener wouldn't necessarily feel that it's a super personal expression, but I tried to keep things a little bit more generalized specifically with my lyrical choices so yeah. that maybe they could connect to it in an application to their own lives. Kind of like how when they write horoscopes, it's like general enough that anybody could be like, "Oh my god, you're talking about my life." Yeah. It's it's so me, you know? Um that's kind of indirectly what I've what I ended up sort of doing with my writing over the years. With film score work it's different because you're writing for a very specific context, purpose, intention, um, you know, to suit that scene, whether I'm writing something lyrically or something, you know, not lyrically. I mean, I taught music for 16 years and songwriting was a component of that. So, I have significant dry spells in my writing where I just won't particularly feel motivated to write anything for sometimes years at a time. In those moments, I have occasionally forced myself to sit down and do some writing. Uh,
0: In a dry spell, sometimes you you try to force a period.
1: I try to force, I try to force a very emotional period. (laughs) in a dry spell a
0: tumultuous period tumultuous
1: yeah period in a dry spell um, by just kind of going through a very standard sort of clinical process of like I'm going to choose a topic I'm going to write in this style I'm going to write a song about blank just to kind of force myself to still right. do it but I don't I don't really enjoy doing it that way I find that it's more of an of a exercise than anything yeah. else and occasionally I'll end up with something that you know, feels like it has some merit, but I find that the best writing just happens naturally when it, when it comes, right. You know, and that tends to be during more challenging moments.
0: A few episodes back, I played a track from Sue Passmore's 2006 solo album, 87 miles. Briefly mentioning her wonderful team of Juno-winning vocal trio people. And I would love to have the clout that it takes to reach labels, but I fucking don't. I simply love this music so much. And if I have to remove it for some reason, then future listeners of this episode will be listening to an edited-in replacement. But for now, here are the incredible vocal and songwriting styleings of Caroline, Carrie, and Sue, otherwise known as the Good Lovelies. From the album Burn the Plan, the song is When the City Settles.
6: Mm, it's time to go mm, it's time to go I will return when the city settles down I will return when the city settles down
4: Oh, the river
6: wide Oh, the river wide I will return When I've had my fill I will return When I've had my Tender are dry I will return when the leaves are little snap on the head, you hit the open road, pulling you back home, pulling you back home, drag yourself out of bed, you know it's time to go, and all the love you had is pulling you back home.
0: Like, well, are there good things coming out of the reasons why that's now the case? Mm -hmm. Maybe. I don't know enough. Well, that's a point. Me not knowing enough is a point. But as a a songwriter, you have to commit to one side. No, you don't.
1: (laughs) No, you don't. It's your song. You can make up whatever rules you want.
0: Okay. So I'll just write a a song on. I could go this way or that on euthanasia. Sure. Okay, fine. (laughs) Well, <laughs> we're fixing songwriting right here on the Todd Donald Show.
1: You just did it.
0: <laughs> Copyright 2019. Don't steal that, bitches. All right. No, I'm fine. I, I guess you're right. I'm inside my own head. And and you as a guest, as another human being in front of me, being like,
1: snap out of it. Exactly that.
0: Thank you. This uh. w- This... <laughs> Was a real interaction.
1: <laughs> it sure was. It sure was. I think there's like. one other. I think there's one other. Uh, one other component that we haven't really talked about in terms of inspiration and songwriting, though, which is time. And we're at a point in our lives where our time, at least my time in this point in my life, given all of the different hats that I wear, is really at a premium. And mm. if I don't have like inspiration can strike, but if I don't have the time yeah. right then and there to sit down and like write out that song, it's going to be. Gone. Yeah. It's going to disappear. I'm going to hit the wall. Uh, it's going to disappear. Literally. I literally just smacked <laughs> the wall. Uh, it's going to disappear out yeah. of my, you know, inspiration pocket and yeah. it'll be gone. And I'm focused on picking up my kid at her extracurriculars and whatever my next meeting is. And, you know, all of these different things in life kind of pile on and they stifle inspiration yeah. because you don't have the time. It takes to sit down and just be in that moment and allow it to kind of flow through you. Yeah.
0: And I suppose that I had that thought about what, what's the inc- incliner?
1: Inclination.
0: Because through periods of life where I had more time, I took stock of, of that, mm-hmm. of, of knowing clearly that songwriter I know, their inclination is based on observing class systems Sure, whatever the, their subject
1: yeah. matter tends to or towards. Whatever their yeah.
0: bag is. Yeah. You know, <laughs> my bag was, I'm lonely. And then their bag was, everything's a construct, man. Or whatever. Yeah. Everyone has an essence. Of I course. I knew a songwriter whose essence I boiled down to, like, their songwriting prowess. Their essence was, I'll never tell. <laughs> <laughs> Building a mystery. Sweet. I could be just spinning my wheels.
1: You could. I'll just watch. I'm
0: sorry. (laughs) I feel like it's an insult to you that your presence and the ability that I have right now to hang out with you is not enough to, for lack of a better word, trump my current malaise or just...
1: We're both having a weird day. So don't worry about it. It's okay to have weird days. (sighs) It makes it different than when you're always on.
0: Yeah, but podcasts are on a schedule. It's not like we can try this again every what's, day until it's...
1: What's what's wrong with having a weird day? Do you think your audience doesn't have weird days? Maybe they're all super relating. Okay. just human beings talking to human beings.
0: In regards to, though, or Sink, mm-hmm. anyone who's listening that I've emailed before, let me use the fact that Tess is on right now as leverage, I guess. Uh, <laughs> one of... <laughs> Yes, I did already know you. I was interested in that project since I saw the first season. And everything that happened from the making of to the launching of the second season happened while I was in the factory. Mm-hmm. And as you know, that disabled me from doing anything outside of working at the factory. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was really a really cool project.
1: It was really fun to be part of. Um, very, very community based. I made some amazing connections through that being involved in that project, um, that have since like spread into other areas of my life, just everyone was so cool. And, you know, we, it started as a community effort with, you know, very little resources and continued on as a, you know, slightly more it, it the next incarnation, the six episodes that are on bell five, you know, there was slightly more uh, structure to it and pressure behind it because it was being produced for, you know, a client basically. You know, we kind of streamlined the story and and changed it up a little bit, but it was the same core group of us that were all working together on it. And we had a great dynamic and it was so much fun. And yeah, it uh, was a really neat journey to be part of. Awesome.
0: Speaking of journeys, I'll use that as a a sweet sag. There's that weird thing about adult life and responsibilities and time and time management or lack of ability to sometimes does your mind do some crazy shit when you're just like, Oh, that's a golden nugget that I'm playing over and over again in my head. It has a limited time out of the ether before it goes back into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you <laughs>
1: They come by like once every couple of years and I'm like, I have to catch it.
0: And what do you usually do to try and nail it down?
1: It Seems to happen mostly when I'm driving. Uh, so I'll pull over and try to find some scraps of receipts or whatever I have available. Hopefully there's a pen in the car. Uh, and if I don't have any old receipts or writing implements with me, uh, often I'll try to kind of hum it into my phone, say out as many words as I can and and just sort of repeat, sing it in my head. Until I get home and just hope that there's no other music that comes on, on, you know, whatever environments I have to pass through between there and when I can get home and go into the basement and be like, nobody talk to me. I have to finish writing this song. It'll never come back. Yeah. You know? And I turn into a weird basement goblin, song goblin. I become a song goblin.
0: That's a band name right there.
1: Song Goblin? Yeah. yeah.
0: Song Goblin.
1: Yeah, and then I come out of the basement 10 minutes later and it just go back to normal. I will stay down here till this album is recorded. Oh, goodness. That would be an awful long time. I don't even know how to turn the recording equipment on.
0: <laughs> Do you find a lot of, a lot of times that... Because, uh, you know, n- news journalists... N- sorry, news writers, for mm-hmm. television news, televised news, mm-hmm. they have to write things in a way that a broadcaster would say verbally. Mm-hmm. They would tell us not to use words like implements cuz that's more for the for the written word but you just now use the word implements for looking for writing implements mm-hmm. when you're in the car. Yep. You f- you talk the talk. Like you don't you wouldn't just write that word down, you use it in a conversation.
1: I try to use weird words whenever I can. It gives people the illusion that I'm much more interesting than I actually am. <laughs> <laughs>
0: straight straight faced succinct and like you asked but that's not I I wouldn't have characterized it that way I was trying to make a Norm McDonald joke about the word itself and then you just put yourself down like a pro (laughs) like you you hard targeted that and 007 that burned to yourself with (laughs) such precision you didn't hesitate (laughs) holy fuck that was good all right well anyway (laughs) speaking as a friend of yours and, and we caught up a bit on a recent adventure that you have more timely to the now of us recording this on october 1st uh you went on a trip
1: I did. Beak. So uh, I just got back from Fiji. I spent the month there. I,
0: I was going to try to make a joke of. Give, a village people joke? No. <laughs> Another golden nugget like your fucking village people joke? <laughs> exactly. Is it going to be one of those shithead? No. <laughs> Speak. You're still experiencing jet lag and you've been back. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, my sister in law was telling me that with jet lag, it takes roughly one day per hour of displacement to recover. What's displaced? Uh, so it's a fifteen-hour time shift between here and Fiji, and okay. we actually crossed the international date line. So I was in the future the whole time I was there. It was right. tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So
0: <laughs> I do that with people. From, if I'm talking to you and you're you're in Australia, yeah. I'm like, don't tell me what happens yet.
1: Yeah, but it it has surprisingly taken. A long time to bounce back. Uh, just, I will all of a sudden just, I'll be fine and I'll be ready to go out and, you know, do a specific task or, or have to go somewhere. And then I'm like, no, I need to sleep right now for two hours because I'm on a backwards time. It's nighttime for me, right. you know, and it's been uh, just over a week since I got back. So hopefully this ends soon. <laughs> it's getting better. I can sleep at night now instead of That's just good. rolling around and being awake. So nice. Yeah.
0: Song three, yes everyone, dates back to the two thousands. It's so long ago, right? Shut up, kids. Jesus. Going the other way, I've played and proudly would put at the front of the shelf the newest music and all by Diana and Mike Herb in the form of Twas Now. Having said that, being a sentimentarian and a documentarian, I don't like any beautiful work to be forgotten. Having said that, I feel like the Mike Herb Trio project would have been incendiary had diana's amazing voice been on it at this moment with no disrespect and in honor of the years of support and encouragement given before its release and since i'd like to play the mike herb trio now with that album's sound adam bushland on the bass craig lapsy on the the sticks and shit with a tasty fucking riffs and some sweet organs this song is take it back so
4: take it back boys
0: (laughs) whatever
3: Everybody needs more time to spend. Every penny they've got, they'll proudly defend. New car in the garage, new smile on your plastic face. Nowadays, everybody seems to be in a race. Everybody's got somewhere they need to be You gotta please your parents And get your love, degree Put aside everything you've ever known You wanna do Nowadays everybody's got a killer hole on you. It's hard to even breathe When the going gets rough They're never sure how the hell they'll ever be Put aside everything that's got your gas for aid Nowadays everybody thinks They haven't been treated fair Take it back, take it back Take a little say Everybody's got somewhere they need to be You gotta please your parents and get your law degree Put aside everything you've ever known you wanna do Nowadays everybody's got a killer hold on you Nowadays I find it hard to put a smile on when i wake, But I suck it up quick and put my shoes on tight And that's a choice that you gotta make. I ain't a preacher and I ain't no saint And I haven't even looked that long But nowadays sometimes all you need are some words to help you Take it back, take it back Take on the sins back Keep it safe, I can and keep it aside for us all to see Take it back
0: feel like I have a good question that I can direct specifically to, to just you sure. as a friend and someone I know and as an artist and as a multi hyphenate of project and passion and interest. You seem, you come out, you strike me as a <laughs> I, I can find five more examples of how to start that sentence. It must be difficult to manage the time and energy. Do you feel like if you only took on one project at a time that you would do a better job or is it just you're gaining the experience of doing it and it doesn't matter if what's the deal with that?
1: What's the deal with that? Well, uh, it it certainly is at times very, very challenging to find a balance and I don't necessarily feel like I have found one yet. I have had to learn how to get really good at saying no when I am, at or beyond my capacity. Oh, and I'm sure you uh, say no, and I'm sorry. It's all it's all good. Um, I frequently do say no, <laughs> but it's often it's stuff that I really would like to be able to say yes to, and right. so I I struggle with that from time to time. It's interesting because I've always kind of seen myself as a hodgepodge person because I I have stuck my hands into so many different cookie jars, but uh, the thing that has kind of resulted from all of that is the Waterloo Region Crossing Project it combines all of my passions and all of my different skill sets into like one big to quote kitchen or sink passion ball. And, uh,
0: <laughs> another great band name,
1: <laughs> passion ball, something
0: yeah. song goblin and passion ball. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes, yeah, so yeah. I'm able to kind of mobilize all my skill sets into one project and it is a humongous project. It has lots of different moving parts in it, but it's for the first time I feel like I'm really getting a sense of fulfillment out of my work and like it's going in a direction that could be sustaining for not just for myself, but something that also really gives back to the community and and has a lasting impact. And so that has come at at a price for sure. Yeah. Um. You know, my my family has been taxed by my dedication to that project. Um. My social structures have definitely been compromised. Not necessarily compromised, but they have been deprioritized as a result of being committed to that project. You know, there, there's only so many hours in the day, and having been yeah. gone for a month, and then still needing like a week and a half to recoup afterwards before I'm really functional again, I definitely feel like I, I probably have a little bit too much on my plate right now. Finding that balance has always been a struggle for me. It's nuts. <laughs> I do it to myself. It's, I'm a masochist, for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it could be taxing, but then there are, the, the, there are ways to normalize mm-hmm. the impact. And then sometimes when it, when it just is too drawing of one to... Mm-hmm.
1: When it gets to the point where I can't ignore my imbalance anymore. Right. Yeah.
0: I could have done a more cohesive thing. I wouldn't include this in your press kit for <laughs> cool things I've done.
1: I'm not a cohesive person. So <laughs> I think that's a fair approach.
0: Let's do, let's try and do a summary. In this recording, in this chat, we did talk about like you as a musician, songwriter, different projects. Yeah songwriting process specifically Mm -hmm. kitchener sink we talked about waterloo region crossing Mm -hmm. yeah like what else let's
1: talk about off days having one (laughs) yeah exactly and why why is it something that is a that is less appealing to listen to
0: i my podcast is thus far still i i totally want to change is as soon as i find something that works and i can do better sort of leaning against the pillar of the idea that i can not lead a conversation in a way but flavor any conversation i'm having with a guest whether it's you or someone that i'm just meeting that day mm-hmm. in a way that's like almost slapstick sure unfortunately i don't think anyone would notice that i'm having an off day today because several of the episodes before now have been been
1: on off days on or off. Yeah. <laughs> Your podcast is interactions with human beings,
3: right? And
1: we have a broad range of emotions and life experiences, and it's not real life. If we're always on, it's too much pressure. And the moments I think where we connect best with people are when we're not at our best, yeah. you know, and being able to be, empathize with each other and be there for each other is something that I'm not particularly skilled at and could use more examples of, I think. Right. Um, it's something that I've struggled with in my life. I, I can relate to what you're saying about, you know, it's hard to want to put yourself out there when you're not on. If, you, yeah. if you're the type of personality where you're like, I need to be on, this is, the, this is the version of me that I want to present to the world is the on version. But we all have off versions. You know, we express those off versions in a lot of different ways. And for many of us, I think we we express that or we choose to not express it by socially isolating ourselves or refusing to show that side of ourselves. But, you know, we, I think probably most people have an equal number of off hours or off days to on days. I really appreciate that you and I were able to get together today, despite the fact that we're both having kind of off days and still sit down and talk to each other and share this experience together
0: when you put it that way i mean what is life but you know
1: a collection of on and offs
0: yeah and then death you know (laughs) 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 on that note here's a song by tessa (laughs) Thanks for waiting, people who love Tessa And are lukewarm on me This is This is Tessa on the day Performing right here in the basement Her beautiful original song called Dirt
7: There's dirt on the floor Dishes in the sink Let them wait until morning Put your feet up, I'll pour you a drink There's clothes in the hamper Clothes on the back Put them out of your head Put them out of my head Cause tonight I just want you. Tonight I just want you The whole world seems hazy Heavy fog on the sea probably me It's probably me It's hard to decipher Any feeling at all Wouldn't hurt if I fall It's like I'm nothing at all Tonight I just want Tonight I just want
1: in terms of inspiration and what I've been mostly like listening to lately I am super into a band called Mansion Air and uh, there's one song in particular that I think I could just listen to on repeat forever and it's called We Could Leave it's a good driving song I listen to it in the car a lot I listen to it a lot
0: (laughs) well you can't see her eyes but it's fucking on with that song
1: for real so on I'm only flickering
8: just a phase I'm in Not the shape I fit How'd I get so tongue-tied So sorry I'm vacant I'm watching from the sidelines Where all the noise, it holds me still And I wanna
2: Listening to another episode of the Todd Donald Show, starring, produced, and edited by Todd Donald. The piano music in the rap is by JP Sunga, who you can find at JPSunga.com. The theme music is Mackie Alkino by William Chernoff. Find him at Chernoff.band. And I'm Milo Axelrod, Todd's favorite bar none human voice. And I'm not bragging, he wrote this. If you'd like to hear more of my voice, check out my podcast, Describing a Rock, in which I describe some rocks. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Please support The Todd Donald Show by sharing it with anyone who might enjoy it. Follow and interact with Show on Twitter and Instagram. And if you feel like going the extra mile on iTunes, please subscribe, rate, and review, preferably in its favor. Have a great day, friends.